Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. Well, we're looking forward to jumping into this new sermon series called The Way. And if you're new to church, one of the things that we like to do as a church is we like to do things called sermon series, and it allows us to kind of work through a topic or a passage of scripture or a book of the Bible and kind of learn and grow together. Because part of the whole thing with being a follower of Jesus is it's a learning experience. It's learning Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And so as we kind of learn here, kind of through a sermon, Part of that is learning. If, if, if we're called as followers of Jesus to, do, to obey all the things he's commanded, part of this teaching is learn what he commanded. That's part of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, not just Christian in name, but actually be a follower of Christ. And so during this sermon series, we're going to kind of go to a grassroots level and talk about what does it mean to follow the way. And there's kind of three aspects of that we're going to kind of dive into here. But tonight we're going to start at the entry level. What does it look to kind of enter into the way? What does that look like? Well, before we kind of get into the meat of the scripture here tonight, I want to begin. Uh, Frank Sinatra, y'all know who that is? He had a song called, I Did It My Way. My way. Some of you actually sang it. That's good. That's good. I Did It My Way. And I was thinking about this as we were kind of talking about this topic tonight. And I discovered about myself that I actually like doing new things, but one thing I really dislike is this. After I've learned how to do something a certain way, I really dislike learning it a new way again. So it's like, for example, for some of you, maybe lobstering, you've learned how to board a pot, but then maybe someone shows you how to do it a little bit more effectively with less energy. I remember I was out lobstering one time, someone showed me how to do it a different way, and it's like, I don't really want to do that way. Or like maybe coiling rope. Maybe there's a more effective way and someone wants to show you how to do that and you don't really want to hear it. Well, like for me, I, uh, I have this basketball shot that I learned when I was a kid and it's not the right way to shoot a basketball. I'll show you via illustration. So I shoot the ball like this. How many of y'all know you're supposed to shoot the ball? Oh, you're, some of you are showing me right now. <laughs> That's why I'll be the last pick on your basketball team. <laughs> That's why my shooting percentage is like 10%. Because I am stuck with the way that I learned. I even had like an ex-coach of St. Francis Xavier University try to like break that habit. You think I'd learn? No, because I like the way that I learned how to shoot. It gets me by every once in a while. But it's like with golfing. When I learned how to play golf, there was no golf courses in Canso, obviously. And so when I learned how to play golf, I did the baseball grip. And I had someone show me like, it's better if you do this interlock. And man, I didn't like that at first. I didn't like it at all. And it's like learning something new Especially, in particular, if you've done things a certain way, it's not very comfortable. We like doing it our way. And, like, how many have heard the saying, ah, he's stuck in his ways? You ever heard that before? Well, the truth is, we all get stuck in our ways, don't we? You guys got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> we all get stuck in our ways. Matter of fact, our whole lifestyle, I would argue, we get stuck in our way, and it's really, really difficult because like Frank Sinatra, we like doing it my way. But 
as we kind of jump into the series, we're going to talk about a different way, an alternative way, a way that Jesus kind of introduced. Um, but in order for us to accept the way that he has for us, we've got to deal with our way first. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is this guy that, uh, a Christian who, who, who followed Jesus um, during the, the war. And this is what he said. It is becoming clear every day that the most urgent problem besetting our church is this. How can we live a Christian life in the modern world? So like, not just Christian in name, not just the title of Christian, not just like attending church on Sunday. What does it look for us to be what I like to call lifestyle Christians? Where the way in which we live our lives, the way in which we make our decisions, the way in which we live our nine to five, like what does it look like for our lifestyle to actually reflect the value of the scriptures and the values of the kingdom and the values of Jesus? What does it look like for our lives to be characterized that in such a way that people might not be able to say that we're Christians, but they see the difference in our lives that's markedly different? How do we actually live that out in the modern world? How do we actually live that out in 2023 in Southwest Nova? What does it look like to actually be a follower of the way? And so in our context here today, do we know the truth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? That's really difficult in 2023 where truth is in culture, whatever you define it to be. You see, one of the challenges in culture in 2023 is we let culture form our values instead of Christ forming our values. And so that's one of the challenges of being a follower of Jesus in 2023. Are we actively embracing this mission that God has for us in our ordinary lives? Sometimes we think that serving Jesus is these extravagant things and going overseas and giving up our life to follow Jesus. Yes, it can be that. But more often than not, it's just living our ordinary lives intentionally as a follower of Christ. Are we actively doing that? Or can we explain our faith to other people what it means for us to follow Jesus? Our faith is, is very personal, but it's not meant to be private. I love that song we, that Jesus talks about. Jesus wore our sin, I'll gladly wear his name. What does it look like for us to wear his name? Out? And I'm not talking about like, shoving it in people's faces. But what does it look like for us in an attractive way, the way that Jesus did around sinners, to live the Jesus way in such a way that people just ask us, like, there's something different about you. I like it, and I want it. What does that look like for us to live that way? And I guess it's my heart as your pastor is so that you'd understand what that way is, and you'd learn to live the Jesus way in everything that you do. And if we want to learn about what it looks like to live the Jesus way, then the perfect way to find out about that is in the scriptures. And if you're brand spanking new to the Bible and you're like, I get the question sometimes like, where's a great spot for me to start reading in the Bible? And there's a couple different ways I could point to you. One great book that is the shortest of all the gospels of Jesus that is like action pretty well the whole way through and is very readable is the gospel of Mark. Matthew, Mark, second book in the New Testament. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you want to start reading the Bible, maybe you're not a reader and you'd like it if someone read to you, like a bedtime story, like my wife does to my kids, then you can download the YouVersion Bible app and the Bible will actually read to you. And you could read the Gospel of Mark in like probably half hour, maybe an hour, you could read through the whole book. And it's a great read to introduce you to the person of Jesus. And 
as we kind of look here tonight at Mark's gospel, Mark's actually was written, Mark was the very first uh, gospel written. And Matthew and Luke borrowed from Mark to write their writings. So Mark was the most original, the earliest gospel that we have in the scriptures. And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 1 here tonight. Um, if you have your uh, smartphone out, you can turn to Mark chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen as well. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is what the Bible says. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The word gospel, in the original language, it, it means good news. And in the Old Testament and in, in, in New Testament times, the word gospel didn't just mean like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When people used that in first century time, it meant like a declaration or announcement, something about Caesar, something about, in the Old Testament, this word's used is like if there was an update on the battle, it was an announcement, was about to be, get ready, something is about to happen. That's kind of the word that is used here, the word gospel. And as we work down through this passage of scripture, we see John, John the Baptist, in verse four, it says, and John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John the Baptist's role was to get people ready for the coming of Jesus. He was like to prepare the way, as Isaiah talks about. He was getting people ready, getting people braced up and ready for the arrival of Jesus. And he wanted people to get ready for this alternative way that Jesus was about to offer to a whole lot of people. And so the way in which John the Baptist got people ready was to get them to repent. And by repenting, their action of repentance was to baptize and confess their sins. Baptism was a kind of a, a, a drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm choosing to reject the way that I used to live with my lifestyle, and I'm preparing to accept a new way. Jesus had not yet come uh, and to start his ministry, and so this was getting people ready to saying, listen, the way that we're living isn't working, as James talked about. There's an alternative way. Someone is coming just about to explain what this alternative way is, so get yourself ready to accept this alternative way. And so people came out. They listened to John's message. They thought he was a prophet, the scripture teaches, and they were baptized and confessed their sin, confessed their way of living. And they got themselves ready to receive this new alternative way that someone who's coming, John the Baptist says in Mark chapter one, he's so much greater than I am, so much so that I'm unworthy to even touch part of his sandal. So John the Baptist is saying, get ready. Someone great is about to come. He's about to announce something awesome that you all are all supposed to take part of. Just get yourself ready for it because it's going to be huge. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And it's something you're going to be invited into. And so John baptized people. People got ready for this good news. They actually believed in that message. So they prepared for this coming of Jesus. Now, the Bible says after John's ministry stopped here because he was arrested for his ministry, this is what the Bible says. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So we have the gospel. And what does the word gospel mean? Good news. And so Jesus proclaims this good news. And there's a couple different aspects of this good news. And so this good news is 
Basically, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the moment that John the Baptist has been preparing for you all. This is it. The scripture says, the time's at hand. It's now. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God has come. Therefore, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is introducing this new way, this alternative way to the way in which everyone else was living. Even the Jewish people, he's introducing a new alternative way. And this new way is the way of the kingdom that Jesus is introducing and spent so much of his ministry teaching and explaining to people what it means to be in and live for the kingdom of God. This new way is the kingdom way. It's the Jesus way. And so Jesus began his ministry with the words, repent and believe in the gospel. Now, I know some of you in this room when you hear the word, I know some of you in this room, but that's not what I'm talking about. I know some of you in this room, when you hear the word repentance, it has a certain reaction. Maybe a certain, maybe it rubs you the wrong way. Maybe there's like this negative connotation kind of attached to it. Maybe when you hear the word repentance, you have these images come to your mind of like an altar call at the end of a service or this fiery evangelist that's preaching and smacking the table and preaching hellfire and brimstone. Or maybe you have this image of a tract on a bathroom a stall that you, you read one time. Or maybe your understanding of repentance is someone holding up a sign that's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near on the side of the road. Or maybe you're here and you've never heard that word before. That's a brand new word to you. And you're probably the best off of any of us in here. I'll tell you why because you don't have any baggage associated with the word repentance. And the question I want to answer tonight is this. What did Jesus mean by the word repentance? Because that's really what we're after. We might have had bad experiences in the past about repent, but spoiler alert, repentance is actually a good thing. Jesus meant something by repentance that I think is a little bit different than what we understand, our understanding of repentance. And I want to tell you three things about repentance that I believe Jesus understood about repentance. The first thing is this. Repentance is a change. Repentance is a change. Repentance in the original language, you know what it actually means in the original language? It means a change in perspective. Another way to put it is a change in your worldview, a change in which you see yourself, you see one another, you see the world. It's changing the way you think using Romans chapter 12 language. Romans chapter 12 says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word repent actually means to shift or change the way that you think. It means to turn from and turn to. It means to leave the old and embrace the new. Remember them ways that I say, buddy's stuck in his ways? How we're all stuck in our ways? Well, repentance is the process by which we get unstuck in our ways. We turn from and turn to. We get unstuck. We turn from our stuckness and selfish living to God's way of living. We turn from old kingdom ways to new kingdom ways. We dump the way of the world and receive the way of Jesus. Repentance is not 
saying sorry to get it out of trouble. Repentance is not saying sorry and continue on. It's, it's, it's changing into a new way. It's not like a Jesus plus to the rest of your life. And it's not kind of sitting on the fence and, and having one lifestyle and having another lifestyle. No, it's like actually getting unstuck from that lifestyle and living an entirely different lifestyle. That's the Jesus way. And that's what repentance is all about. And repentance means something has to change. Your perspective and, and, and your attitude and your ways in which you think. And I would just say this. Repentance takes some convincing. Because we're stuck in our ways, we need to be compelled and convinced that we actually need to change. Or we won't change. Because it's hard enough to change as it is. But in the words of Cheryl Crow, a change will do you good. And it will. A change will do you good. I don't want to change. I don't want to learn a different basketball shot. I'm comfortable with my golf swing. I like the way I clean. I don't, like, I'm using these as illustrations, but we don't like to change. But I'm here to tell you, if you don't change, you're missing out. God has incredibly good plans for every single one of you in this room. But in order for you to experience his good plans for your life, you have to accept his way. Because the way in which he wants to bless your life is through his way. Your life will experience tremendous blessing, not without hardship, but tremendous blessing as you live the Jesus way. But in order for you to do that, you have to change the current way. You have to get unstuck. And you have to change because repentance is change. And I think a lot of us in this room think of the word repentance and we have all this negative connotation attached to it. From the scriptures, repentance is actually a good thing. Don't believe me, do you? You're not convinced. Well, let me convince you from the scriptures here in a second. I think we need to repent of our view of repentance. Distract with me for a sec. If repentance means change your perspective, I think we need to change our perspective with how we view repentance. Did you catch that? I think we need to change our perspective because we think repentance is a bad thing. It has all this negative stuff attached to it. But Jesus actually introduced the idea as a good thing. Matter of fact, he kicked off his ministry, the good news of Jesus here, in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, celebrating it as a good news. It's part of that very entry-level good news package. Let's read it again in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. It says, Now after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. What does gospel mean? Good news. And saying, this is what he said. This is the gospel. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in verse 14, Jesus was proclaiming the gospel, the good news about him. And he hit four specific things that were good. The time is fulfilled. That's awesome because it was time for Jesus to start his ministry. The Messiah had come, and it's good news for us because Christ has come to save. And so the time is fulfilled. That was good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's time for Jesus to introduce the kingdom to everyone. That's great news because people can now enter into the kingdom. Jesus said to one fellow, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Like Jesus was about to introduce his kingdom way for everyone to adopt and walk in and experience the blessing of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. That's good news, right? Amen. Amen. I got one. Amen. And believe in the good news. 
It's by believing that we're saved, and so that's good news. And the fourth thing that's part of this good news package that kicks off the ministry of Jesus, something that is good. It says it here, good news. The fourth aspect is what? Repentance. It's part of the good news package. It's a good thing, according to Jesus. Jesus' perspective on repentance was actually not this heavy, weighty thing, but it's actually a good thing. And actually, if you fast forward to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 3, verse 26, I love this verse in Scripture. This is what it says in Acts chapter 3, verse 26. It's talking about the Father, God, having raised Jesus from the dead and blessing us with something very specifically. This is a blessing that comes from God that is good for us. How many of you guys know that blessings are good? Amen? Amen. Well, the Scripture teaches us that God raised Jesus from the dead and that Jesus blessed us with something very specific. All right, you ready for this? Acts chapter 3, verse 26. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Do you see the blessing there? Do you see it in the text? Repentance is a good thing. It's a blessing, actually, from Jesus. It's a blessing we receive from him. Jesus has come to bless us by turning us away and turning us to. And I think the old school teaching on repentance makes us feel this weight, but there's, there's a blessing. It's a blessing from God. Like, frame it this way. What a blessing it is that we have been enabled by Jesus to turn from our old way of life and to turn to a new one. What a blessing, right? What a blessing that we no longer have to live under the bondage and dominion and consequence of living our own way. And we're actually given by Jesus the opportunity to turn to him and experience a brand new way to live, the way of the kingdom. What a blessing, right? And that's what that's what repentance is really all about. It's, about. it's about us turning so we can experience this blessing that comes from God. It's actually a wonderful, good thing. You see, God's motive in calling us to repent isn't merely judgment. It's his love and desire for us to experience the blessing of being part of his family and part of the kingdom. And it's less about maybe turning from and more about turning to. Now, I'm not downplaying what the scripture teaches about turning from, but I think we have basically limited repentance to be just be merely turning from. And maybe we haven't had painted the picture well enough, or maybe our own understanding of the scripture, we haven't seen a clear picture of just how good it is to live in the kingdom of God. We haven't really painted the picture of how good God's plans are for us as we choose to live in this kingdom. Because repentance is... Yes, it's turning from, but so much repentance is what we're actually turning to, who we're turning to. I uh, was meeting with the prayer team before we started the service tonight, and I just asked them, like, since you turned to Jesus, what's been different about your life? And they all started to share. Someone said peace. I feel this peace that I've never felt before. Someone said joy. I have this joy. And the scripture talks about that 
In Christ, we have this joy that you can't even speak about. It's, it, it's, it's so deep, and it's, it's not happiness that goes up and down, but it's this inner joy that God gives. Some people talked about this community and sense of being loved that they never experienced before, being part of the kingdom of God. You see, there's all kinds of these amazing, the sense of purpose, someone said. I feel a sense of purpose in my life. You see, there's all kinds of blessings that we get being part of the kingdom of God. The scripture teaches us that the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, being part of the kingdom of God, we get to experience these blessings that only come from God. And these blessings we only get to experience when we enter into the kingdom of God. And it's hard, it's hard as we talked in that circle, it's hard to like convince people to come into the kingdom of God and experience the blessing we are as followers of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that as Christians, we don't have hardship. Jesus clearly taught that we're going to have these blessings with persecutions. Hard times will come. But what a blessing to live in the kingdom of God. What a blessing to have this relationship with God who I read in my scriptures today, who, who is our helper, who's there to help us every second of every day. What a joy it is to live in the kingdom where people are experiencing forgiveness and healing and restoration and all the things the scripture promises. It's such an incredible blessing to live in the kingdom of God. But the challenge is, is you can't, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. You're kind of on the outside looking in, trying to wrap your head around why these Christians seem to be so content. I know they're not perfect, but I see something different, but I can't fully understand why. Well, part of that challenge is you have to make the conscious choice to turn from, but not just turn from, turn to Jesus, turn to the kingdom. And it's when you turn to the kingdom, you start to see. It's, I remember this time when I was in China and I smuggled some Bibles into the country and this guy, I was trying to lead him to Christ and he was being so aggravating, I actually prayed that God would take him away. Because I was getting ready to lead these other two Christian, two people to Christ, and they were ready to accept Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, like, you got to do something with this guy. Because, like, anyways, lo and behold, after a long discussion, he ended up accepting Jesus. And he went home that night, and he read all the way to John chapter 8. And he came back the next day and said to us, I've been born again. And the cool part for us was we hadn't explained to him, we hadn't used the terminology being born again, anything like that. He had an encounter with Jesus. And it's like this argumentative, and I think he was a lawyer, this argumentative debater when he experienced and invited the Holy Spirit to come in. It's like the Apostle Paul. The eyes were opened and he could see. And it's the same as for some of us maybe in this room. Maybe you're like wondering about this church God thing and it's hard for you to wrap your head around. It's, it was hard for all of us to wrap our head around. But the moment we made the conscious choice to turn from and turn to Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit to come in, it's then you start to understand. It's then you start to see. But it takes that step of faith. You can't get into heaven through reason. It's trust in Jesus. And when you invite the Holy Spirit to come in, he begins to show you the wonders of the kingdom and what it looks like. And that's, that sounds really up here, but Jesus actually made it incredibly concrete. He made the Jesus way so crystal clear for us. If you read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus explained and kind of mapped out for us what the Jesus way looks like when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about what it means to be truly blessed. Our ideas of the world's way of thinking of blessed is very different to what Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 5. He talked about how to be salt and how to be light. 
He talked about relationships and anger and lust and oaths and retaliations and how we ought to treat our enemies. He talked about giving to the poor and how we shouldn't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. He talked about prayer and how we ought to pray and about fasting and about how we should ask and we will receive and seek and we'll find and knock and the door will be opened. And Jesus talked about treasure and money and worry and judging others and how we treat other people. He talked about all those things. He mapped out for us the Jesus way. How to live an alternative way that Jesus offers to everyone. And he, matter of fact, he ends off that teaching in Matthew chapter 7 by saying, if you choose to follow my teachings, to follow my way, not just say you're a Christian, but live a Christian lifestyle. Live the Jesus way. He said, someone that does these things and obeys my teaching is like a man or woman who builds his house upon the rock. Jesus ended Matthew 7 by saying, if you obey and follow all the things I just said in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, if you live your lifestyle in the way that I've just described, then you will be like a man or woman who builds his house on the rock. That when the storms come and when the winds blows, you will not be moved and you will not be shaken because you built their house on the rock. The Bible says that we're inheriting a kingdom that's unshakable. It cannot be shaken, and it lasts forever. It's more than just this life. It's in the life to come. And if you accept Christ into your life as Lord of your life, we don't just have hope in this life. We have hope in all of eternity, in a kingdom that will never end. That's what Jesus is inviting you to. The Bible says that no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. I don't know how to explain that verse to you because there's so much. But what I can say is God has good things in store for you that will absolutely blow your mind. But it takes you making the conscious choice to turn to him. Not just turn from, but maybe more importantly, turn to. I invite the worship team to come at this time. So maybe you're here tonight and you're like, that all sounds really good. Prove it. Prove to me here tonight that this kingdom is unshakable because I feel like my life is shaken all over the place and I need something to build my life on. Maybe you're here tonight and you want me to prove to you that the way of Jesus is the way to true life. Maybe you're here tonight and you want me to convince you that Repenting is actually worth the change because you know you're stuck in your ways and you don't need to change some things. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a mature believer in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is just convicting you saying, yeah, I made the decision to choose the Jesus way, but so much of my life doesn't look like the Jesus way right now and I need to change some things in my life. I'm just here to tell you tonight that if you're in that first category of counting the cost of following Jesus, I just want to tell you that there's a whole lot of stories in this room of people at some point in time counted the cost to follow Jesus and they decided it was worth it. And they made that leap of faith, that risky step of trusting in the Jesus way, of trusting in the person of Jesus. And their life is different now. Their life is blessed, not in a worldly sense but their heart is different. Their character is different. The way in which they live their life is different. 
And because they choose to live the Jesus way, they're experiencing the blessings of the kingdom, not without hardships, but they're experiencing the blessings of righteousness, peace, and joy that only come from God and only come from the kingdom. That, my friends, is what God invites all people everywhere into. But you got to get unstuck. If you're stuck here tonight, I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants to bless you by getting you unstuck, the scripture teaches us. God has sent Jesus to bless us by turning us away from our sin. He's the only one who can. And the Holy Spirit wants to convince you that there's a better way. There's an alternative way. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the kingdom. And so the question to you tonight is, will you respond to the Jesus way? Will you say, Jesus, would you help me to get unstuck? And would you show me what this kingdom is all about? And he wants to take you by the hand and walk with you in your life and moment by moment show you what it means to truly follow. We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.